Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to be scrutinied. Hello, this is Jeff Scrutiny from Labar Woods. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malucky starts in three, two, one. Now Peggy's going to want that every week. And you should expect it every week. <laughs> but yes, the measles are back like a new kids on the block reunion tour. No one asked for it and no one's happy to see it. I thought measles were dark ages crap we successfully eliminated from the planet like the dodo. If you say you're a bird, but you can't fly, you're a liar! (laughs) How did this happen? Modern medicine had pretty much eradicated measles, but it turns out science is no match for its greatest foe. Idiots. This month, the World Health Organization called the anti-vaccine movement a major threat to public health. Hundreds rallied to preserve their right not to vaccinate their children. If you read the fine print... Well, actually, I've read the fine print of measles, and you know what the side effects include? Dying of measles! It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877 877- 7-11-56-11. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. And by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. USA made with a five-year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. I'm not, I'm not ready yet. I'm still getting my music here. I'm finding all the music. That, uh, that's because they took an hour away from you today. I know. Hey, by the way, all you folks getting up this morning, you're late right now. You're late for church. You're late for the broadcast. The broadcast. You're late for your 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 dumb Sunday morning talk shows on the which you shouldn't be listening to anyway because they're way too depressing. So stop doing that <laughs> and start planting seeds because it's that time of year do something constructive on a sunday instead of hash all that nonsense that you're hearing every sunday but you're late for it anyway because well you're not talking about nonsense here you're talking about nonsense no this is great stuff you should be listening at 9 a.m central time on a sunday morning if you're if you're in chicago and you know and if you're elsewhere in this country listening to the show and some of you get it uh, delayed if you ever want to listen to it live you just go to MikeNovak.net, uh, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. You can listen to live streaming Sunday mornings, 9 to 11 Central. Mm-hmm. So, Click on Listen Live. Uh, but we're on it other places, uh, other times. You, you can go to Facebook. Yes, that's right. At the same time, 9 Watch to 11. Watch us live. We've got the cameras up right now. There we are. Hello. I don't. 
We are live on. I, I do not have a no mar- marmot. I don't, I have, don't a have a marmot on my head today. Oh. I know. No, I, it was on your shoulder. I, it was on my marmot on my shoulder. <laughs> Makes me cautious. All right. Wow, uh, you you are missing that extra hour of sleep, aren't I, you? I am. <laughs> um, and uh, I could put a uh, squash on my head, but it's not even in the camera shot, so you can't. <laughs> you can't even. Do- in fact, I think you guys need to tilt up. A little bit. We're That's missing the top of my you're, head. You're cutting the top of my head off there. So uh, this is, uh, and, and I put all that makeup on uh, this morning, just uh, the pancake and everything. <laughs> it's just, it just takes so long and I didn't have a, that extra hour. I don't know. And I was reading the other day, and I'm sure you were, about daylight saving time. And folks, it is daylight saving. There is no S. That doesn't even make any sense if you say savings, except everybody says it. But it it's saving time. All right? It's not saver. It's not saving. We because we are saving time. We are not we're saving, saving daylight. We are not savings time. That doesn't even make any sense. But we're saving daylight. But okay, we're not savings daylight. And we're not saver daylight. Uh, it's it's saving time. Okay. Now that I've said that, and you're all annoyed with me for like calling you out. The uh, the other thing I'll call out is, do we really need it? And some a lot of the articles say no. It's just a boon to the golf industry and uh, some but other it industry. Stays light late. Well, nice. no. What they're saying is, leave the saving time the where we are now mm-hmm. with the light shifted. That should be twenty four seven. 365 days a year is what they're saying now is that maybe that's what we'll do. Mm-hmm. The, in fact, Florida just did that. And now they're trying to pass that as a, a national law. So um, I, I really don't care. Although softball, you can get an extra in Chicago. You can get an extra game of softball yeah. in uh, because the, it gets dark at 830. How, how long till softball season starts? Uh, a month. <sighs> Unbelievable. And then golf season. I think the first, uh, no, golf season starts whenever it's warm enough. Well, that's what I said, and then golf season. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, softball season, first game is uh, 29th, I believe, of wow. of uh, March. Wow. No, April. I'm sorry, 29th of April. Okay. Woo! Wow. Okay, so a month and a half. I got, okay, calm down. I've been, you know, I've been working out. Yeah, I got to get to the batting cage. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Andrew's laughing. I'm too old for this, Andrew. <laughs> I really am. But I love it. So, uh, hey, we're talking lawn care, believe it or not. It's still cold out there. There's snow. There's wind. There's rain. But we're talking lawn care. So stick around for that. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This is Peggy Malecki, and guess what time it is? It's time to start working on your spring garden indoors. The way to do that is with some seeds in your Happy Leaf Advanced LED Grow Lights. Your seedlings will grow bigger, faster, and better thanks to their proprietary technology. 50,000-plus-hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA-made. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases over $100 when you use the code MIKE. Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. Your veggies will thank you. Celebrate local, sustainable, humane, and fair food at the 15th Annual Good Food Expo. Connect with Midwest farmers and producers in the Good Food Marketplace. Learn from chefs like Erling Wu Bauer and Joe Flam and eat delicious food in the Good Food Court. Entry is free with online registration. The Good Food Commons is back, as is Test Your Soil. Good Food happens Saturday, March 23rd at the UIC Forum in Chicago. Go to goodfoodexpo.org. 
You can enjoy fresh local food all winter long at indoor farmer's markets, hosted by different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April 6th. Your purchase of sustainably produced foods helps support regional farm families. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of all faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule and more info, go to faithinplace.org. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contractor. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Skies of blue and fields of green, water full of atrazine, hundred acres to explore, acres full of alachlor. Hey, hey, ho, ho, mom and dad, how could they know? Ho, ho, hey, hey, herbicides done made me gay. Ah, there's a start to a show right there. And who is that? That's Susan Werner, and she's wonderful, and we got to have her back on the show. Uh, She was on the show a couple of years ago and sang some of that stuff, and I got her CD, and and, you know, and I didn't realize that, thank goodness I recorded that, put that in the the audio file, because I can't find the CD. I opened up the... That flipped open the CD and it was gone. And I know where it was. I probably left it here and it disappeared into the mists of the radio station. So Someone else has it. Check, uh, check Mr. Turk this afternoon. Yeah, he probably has my uh, my CD. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And uh, I'm going to start this segment by telling you something I got in the mail the other day. And uh, I got Letters? It. You got letters? Letters. We get letters. Uh... Yeah, I'm not going to tell you who it's from, except there are two words in the title. One of them is green and the other is true. And uh, <laughs> but otherwise, I'm not going to identify the uh, the culprit. Uh, it's time to put a stop to weeds right now. Put a stop to weeds this spring. And they've got the healthy lawn analysis and the the premier program, 40 years of science based research and. They want me to put a bunch of chemicals down on my lawn and sign up uh, now. And then my lawn will be the best. They be- even gave you a coupon. They, my lawn will be the best on the block, and everybody's going to be jealous of me. Uh, my dog might keel over if, 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 except, except I don't have a dog. And well, but I, I might let I don't my know cat. What, what Gata would think of it? Yeah, if I let my cat, out, I wouldn't let my cat out on on it. And I thought it was interesting because, of course, they they send it to. Michael D. Novak, uh, which is not my middle initial, so it's, it's, okay. Uh, but I thought that was timing was excellent because we have on the show this morning a couple of people from an outfit that's not very far away from this very radio station, but it applies to people all over the United States, uh, the work they do, and um, 
They are Greenwise Organic Lawn Care, and Austin Hall is sitting next to Peggy there. And Austin, you just bought the company, didn't you? You got it, yeah. So you just wander in from Indiana <laughs> and say, I'm looking for a uh, uh, an organic or a natural lawn care company. Wow, there's one. I will think I'll take that one. Um, and uh, Robin is here, too. And uh, Robin uh, and I have been uh, – well, we talked to her um, – uh, last fall, Robin uh, McMurray Hertig, and we talked to her at the Impact Conference. Mm-hmm. We did a little Facebook live interview at the Impact Conference last fall. So you're not a stranger to the program, although you've not been in the studio before. Right. All right. So it's good to have you both yeah. here. Yeah. Thanks for having us. So let's go back to that issue. because, And, I will, and I'm going to do, unfortunately, as I tend to do, a little wind-up to to the question I'm going to throw at you because I've been talking about lawns for a long time, 21 years in in Chicago. In fact, in 2002, I was one of the people who helped to found an organization called the Midwest Ecological Landscape Alliance, or MILA, which is now part of ILCA, where Robin and I did our interview last fall. Uh, And ILCA is the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association, and I'm sorry to be throwing all those acronyms at you. But the whole idea was that in 2002, we looked around and said, you know, there's better ways of doing this. There's, we got a lot of the same old, same old. There's, there's greener ways of doing this. We don't really need to be pouring chemicals into everything we do. We don't need to plant the same old palette of, of plants, the, the same old ewes and boxwoods. And forgive me if you got ewes and boxwoods in your yard, but there, and hostas. And hostas. You can, <laughs> you can do better. You really can. You can do better. Um, and what I expected to happen in 2002 was that by the time we got to 2019 or 2020, right. we would be lousy with organic and natural lawn care companies. And I want you to explain the difference between the two in a second. Uh, but we're not there. I look around and we're still in the same old, same old. And, and look. I got my thing from the green and the true people here uh, in the mail, which means it's still going on. And I'll be really honest with you. I live in Logan Square in the city of Chicago, and I can tell you the people in my neighborhood, they don't use this stuff. They don't care because they got these tiny little patches of lawn and um, they got dogs. They're walking and they don't they don't want to deal with that stuff. And I would think that there are other – if you got a larger lawn, maybe you're doing that. So maybe here in the suburbs and in the suburbs of other major met- metropolitan areas, it's, you're more likely to see this sort of lawn care. So let's get back to that first question, which is why haven't we crossed that threshold? Why are the organic and natural lawn care people not beating down our doors? And And, and I'll start by asking you, Austin – do you see a difference between a, a lawn care company that's organic or natural? Does it make a difference to you? Hmm. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, you know, um, I'm happy to talk a little bit about the differences, Mike. Maybe I could just back up and tell you a little bit about why I was interested in Greenwise to begin sure. with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have to um, recognize at the outset that I'm I'm new to the green industry. I, I'd not previously owned a company in this industry or worked in the green industry in any in any way. Uh, really came from the financial services industry. So, um, what the heck are you doing in, yeah. in horticulture? <laughs> Who knows? I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I only bought Greenwise uh, 90 days ago. I think it was Robin. So uh, I'm fairly new and fresh, but um, just incredibly excited to be a part of what we're building. Um, 
you know, Mike, I would say to your question, um, if Greenwise was a conventional, uh, a company who practiced conventional lawn care treatments, I wouldn't have been interested in this business. Um, it was it was truly the focus on sustainable and an organic approach to approach to turf care that really attracted me to the business. You know, we were uh, founded by a gentleman named Mark Wise in 2007, who really came into this industry also not having worked uh, worked in it. Uh, with an eye towards doing something that was environmentally minded and doing something differently uh, and unconventional in this space. So when I think about um, the differences between natural uh, and organic practices, which is what Greenwise is really, our, that's our mission, uh, versus more conventional synthetic treatments, I think, you know, there there, there truly aren't a lot of um, organic-focused turf care companies across the country, but, you know, in our market here, specifically in Chicago, we're, we're one of, or maybe the only company that can proclaim, that can claim rather to, to, um, use purely organic and natural, um, applications. Um, I think part of it is you have an industry where you have a couple of big players who have built gigantic, hugely successful businesses like True Green, like Scott's who have, um, sort of indoctrinated people, around what um, what a lawn should look like, these golf course-like mm. lawns, weed-free lawns. And really, that's not exactly what we are trying to accomplish. Um, you know, we are, we are in the business of creating safe lawns, but also beautiful lawns. But, but the priority is sort of not putting anything harmful uh, into, into the environment. And so that's what we go out and do every day. And so um, I think that there's an educational component that needs to uh, – that is evolving – and sort of still in its infancy around what can an organic turf care program look like and um, and how it can be as or more successful than a conventional program. So I don't know if that gets to your question or not, but... Uh, well, okay. There are some, getting back to the question, there are some people uh, I know who say there's a big difference between organic and natural. Um, the word organic in food has a, has a very important <laughs> meaning. The word organic... In other areas of horticulture, not so much. It's it's not listed. Although you have Omri listed in those those kinds of products. Sure. So, uh, for instance, let's let's start with, with with some of the products you might use. What kind of fertilizers uh, do you consider uh, appropriate for the kind of work you do? Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm a. I would say we're, today we're not going to get into the specific types of the specific products that we use in our program, but we use uh, animal byproducts in some cases. Um, we use corn corn gluten meal as our first step uh, for weed management. We use a chelated iron. Uh, we use a program program um, for for grub management called Grub Gone, which is a an organic product. So, I mean, really, Mike, our our objective is to cultivate what we call the soil food web. So all of these um, microorganisms that live in the soil, our objective is to cultivate and to nurture those microorganisms and not to kill them. A conventional treatment really um, has the aim of, of killing weeds, but in this, at the same time kills a lot of those microorganisms that, that we're trying to cultivate. So our objective is to create turf that's um, over time strong within its root system and really can work to outcompete weeds uh, our objective is not to necessarily kill weeds, but create turf that's that's there to outcompete it. I, I've heard this before because this is what I use on people too. And, yeah. and and the issue is, it's not how strong the weeds are; it's really how strong your turf is. Um, and if if your turf is strong, it can out as you said outcompete the weeds. Peggy, you were you going to jump in there? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think I think the the objective, Mike, is to create a turf that is. Um, 
better, more sustainable. We're trying to create uh, more natural growing conditions. And also, you know, we can't always prevent insects or pests or grubs. Um, Nobody can claim to. So the idea is that when you do have issues uh, that come about related to those things, the turf can also recover in a faster way because it has these microorganisms, um, you know, living and, and, uh, you know, in the soil. All right. We don't have Mark. Oh, Robin. I was just going to say that a lot of, a lot of companies are starting to get on that organic, natural lawn care bandwagon. But, what but they've been doing that for 16 years, okay. Right. But what we found is that, you know, like they might do organic fertilizer, but then they'll follow it up with um, herbicides to kill the weeds because they want that perfect lawn. And you and you don't yeah. know that. So we challenge people to ask their lawn care provider for a label. And, and we'll help you read the label right. if you need us to and go through and see, like, what are they putting on the lawn? Yeah. And as Austin mentioned, education. So what, do you, what all are you doing to educate your clients and your potential clients? Well, I try to, um, we have a lot of blogs on our website where I talk about the dangers of pesticides mm-hmm. to our dogs. Like, is your yard safe for your dog? Um, and go through with a Monsanto trial that came up last summer. Everyone started understanding then about glyphosate and the dangers and... and um, you know that these are cancer-causing yeah. chemicals that we're putting in our in our lawns, and which then go into our waterways, and it's a huge problem. And yeah. so people need to understand that you know glyphosate from Roundup, and Roundup is being banned in European countries. It's it's not being banned here. The EPA is not doing its job in in terms of um, getting rid of these pesticides. And you know glyphosate, we're finding it in. Our beer and wine, we're finding it in our Cheerios, we're finding it in our granola. Uh, we, put, we put a post uh, on our Facebook page last week about it being found in beer and yeah, wine. And and it was funny what, because... 90% of... Yeah, even in well, organic. It was, it was to, be, to be fair, it was a small sample. Right. Mm-hmm. But they were, they were found in every one except one, I believe. And one of the beer companies said, oh, you'd have to drink copious amounts of our beer for it to do any good. <laughs> And, and my response was, so what you're saying is our beer will kill you before the glyphosate does. Okay, fine. <laughs> so, but, but to be sure, glyphosate or Roundup is going to not be used on most turf because unless you're spot treating because that's going to kill – they'll kill anything. It's going to kill your lawn. You guys, the the lawn chemicals are more in the line of the two 4Ds, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that's one of the, the popular – uh, lawn care uh, weed killer, and it, it gets back to something you said a second ago that just rang a bell in my head. And you said the perfect lawn. You used the phrase the perfect lawn. What's the perfect lawn? Yeah, define. To, yeah, what is the perfect lawn? Does it mean there's no other species of growing thing in your lawn? Well, that's nuts because that's a monoculture, and that's that's dangerous. Uh, you know, we're trying to move away from monocultures, and what. What are you going to try to do to get a perfect lawn? And it takes me back to something that Austin said, which is uh, indoctrinated. You use the word indoctrinated. I use the word brainwashed because it's a lot clearer. I go into garden uh, uh, garden clubs and I say, you've been brainwashed for 60 years, 70 years. You have to get unbrainwashed. You have to you have to get away from that because that because the organic people are not the ones that have all the money. To use to have these ads on the, the air. marketing, 
The non-organic people, yeah, they got all right. the money. They got all the chemicals, and, and they just keep throwing it at you. And, and after a while, you will they figure you'll break down and, and do it because you want the perfect lawn. Right. You want to keep up with your neighbors. And hopefully, like when you talk about Logan Square not having – using true green – you know, maybe it's well, because it, all I know is that the word green and true is in there someplace. <laughs> or or, I'm, I'm, or I'm, another I'm, similar I'm, name. Right. Yeah. That's all I'm something saying. Similar. It's a, it might be yeah, it might be that, it might be something else. But our hope with everything is the millennials, right? The millennials care about organics, they care about eating the right foods, they you know, and they care about these things. Yeah. And so hopefully that will then and when you mentioned Logan Square, Mike, I, I should say that you know, we view the city, actually the city of Chicago, to be a huge growth market for us. You know, maybe the property lines or maybe the properties themselves are smaller, but you do have people wanting to stay in urban environments and you have young people who are very progressive in neighborhoods like Logan Square. So we see a huge opportunity, um, you know, downtown Chicago. Yeah. And and we're going to have to break in, in about a minute here. But one of the things I want you to, to think about is how you sell that. Because one of the things I have heard from people in this kind of business b- before is that, well, and, and some lawn care services will get, I'll give you 65% organic or 75 or you want 85, I can give you 85%. So we'll give you that 15%. We'll throw some chemicals in there uh, because of the pressure from the consumer. And I want you, when we come back, Austin to talk about the consumer pressure and uh, and and what happens there. All right, it's the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. We've we've got Austin Hall, Robin McMurray, Hertig from Greenwise Organic Lawn Care in the studio. Your questions 877-711-5611. Stay in touch with the Mike Novak show. Find us on Facebook at the Mike Novak show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike now. Send us a photo on Instagram at the Mike Novak show or write to us. Mike at MikeNovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That was uh, part of your wake-up program for that's daylight it. saving time. And we're just warning you, you missed uh, getting up on time today. I'm just telling you, you, you missed it because uh, it was uh, spring forward. I, and, I want, and I wonder how many people set their clocks back an hour. Now you're, <laughs> and you're two hours off. <laughs> that, that's really got to be disturbing. Oh, well. We will get back to our conversation with Austin Hall and Robin McMurray-Hertig from Greenwise Organic Lawn Care and Landscaping. We'll get into the landscaping part mm-hmm. in a second, too. However, got a minute for your trees. Bartlett Tree Experts has some tips for making your tree planting successful. And this is uh, something you guys know already, but that's okay. I'll, I'll put this in here. Uh, match your tree. Oh, number one, numero uno. Uh, Number one thing the first. Exactly. No particular order, but they're all important. Match your tree to existing soil, not the other way around. Meaning, you know, don't go schlepping on all that compost and stuff. No, 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 no. Your tree's got to grow where it grows. So find a tree that's going to fit 
that kind of soil, you're going to be a lot happier. Uh, two, make sure there's enough soil, especially in urban areas. And you know the lesson of that, watching trees try to grow in tree pits in yep. sidewalks in a big city. Three, smaller is better. Really, a smaller caliper tree has a higher survival rate than a larger one. And I, that might be the hardest lesson of all for people to understand. And a smaller caliper tree will catch up to a larger one. Why? Because 95% of the roots are removed when when trees are dug up and transplanted. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, number four, the planting hole should be three to five times wider than the root ball, especially in heavy clay or compacted soils. Five, don't plant too deep. We talked about this on the show a few weeks ago. Ensure the root collar, that is the flare at the bottom of the tree, is flush with or slightly above the natural grade. Six, remove foreign materials from root balls like wire baskets, synthetic burlap, nylon twine, and straps. Yard gnomes. Yard gnomes, yes. If they get stuck in there, yeah, really, just get them out of there because they'll, they'll, they'll infest your tree. I don't know if you realize that you'll have more gnomes than yeah. you know what to deal with. Seven, remove only broken, dead, and diseased limbs at planting time, nothing else. People think they should trim back because, you know, you, they lopped off all the roots. Well, we should lop off all the leaves, too. No, that's how the tree manufactures energy. Don't do that. And above all, if you have any questions, contact a certified arborist from Bartlett Tree Experts to do a free evaluation of your trees because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Welcome back. We're here in the studio. And thank you guys for coming into the studio. Of course, the company's just down the block, basically. I think we're actually literally next door. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think you or might be. Thanks for backyard. making it easy on us. Yeah, you oh. got to go around. around. That's the hardest part. <laughs> so here we are and talking about the pressure from clients, the expectations. And that's really what you're managing when you're doing organic or natural lawn care. So Mark's not here. Well, Austin, what I have to ask you, what it, and Mark's been doing this for like 11 and a half years now. What did he tell you to to be aware of when you're talking to people trying to sell this kind of treatment on their lawns? Sure. Well, um, you know, Mark shared it with me, and I can tell you, Mike, over the last 90 days, I've spent a tremendous amount of time in the field with customers and with our sales folks. And, uh, you know, I think a huge part, uphill battle we face in a way is uh, setting the right expectations with customers. <laughs> Because often we are, uh, we're bringing in clients who have been on a conventional synthetic chemical-based program for years and years and years, and their turf is used to chemicals. Um, and so we often find that you know it can take a year, two years, it could take three years for that turf to really make that transition and turn the corner, and sort of building, uh, you know, building the nutrients that it needs to sort of self-sustain. Um, so I think, you know, one impediment for companies transitioning from synthetic programs to fully organic programs, Robin's talking about how a lot of the competition we face are from people who claim to, you know, put down organic fertilizer, but a lot of other things that they're doing are not organic. And the reason being that an organic program requires a tremendous amount of, of patience. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so it's really important for us in meeting with a new customer that we set that expectation up front. And we're very clear with folks because the last thing we want to do is disappoint them. Well, you're you're very clear with them, and so how do you get them over the hump to accept what you're doing? I I know the way I would do it. Mm -hmm. I would I would tell them to look at 
the guy who's got the chemical lawn and then look at the person who's got the uh, natural lawn and walk across the street and tell me if you can tell the difference. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's a huge deal. It's like when you start micromanaging your lawn, that's just silly. I mean, you could talk and you could talk about the science, too. There's actually a benefit to having weeds in your lawn. There's it's called biodiversity, believe it or not. And biodiversity does exist in turf Mm -hmm. as well. But basically, I think I would walk them across the street and say, can you really see the difference? And guess what? Yours is safer if if you're if you're doing it our way. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. I think that's a heck of an idea, Robin. Maybe we should think about incorporating that into our into our training program. <laughs> Let's hire Mike. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to find the two perfect lawns uh, to to do that. Yeah. Um, all right, but you also do other services, and and it's not just the turf, yeah. but you're looking at folks' gardens, uh, their landscapes, and you're approaching those the same way, right? Yeah, I think you know everything we do, Mike, from organic lawn care to uh, maintenance services to design build, which is a decent part of our business, to uh, snow removal and garden management. Um, everything we do is intended to be done in a way that uh, supports the environment. And again, our, our mission is to, to not put anything harmful down in the environment from, you know, the ice melt that we use on our mm-hmm. snow removal routes to, um, you know, uh, our seed to, uh, to the materials we use in our turf care applications. Um, so we are really um, more broadly, I would say we are a full service landscaping company and we do have many customers who do use the full suite of our services. Um, but everything we do is centered around the idea of sustainability. Okay. Uh, including you have an arborist on site, Dan Clundera, who I've known for many, many years. This is kind of unusual, actually. The uh, you know, and and uh, and sometimes people in the industry, and rightly so, warn folks that just because you have a truck and a chainsaw doesn't mean you should be going out and doing. Uh, tree work in somebody's yard. Now, I know that you have a certified arbor, so that's great. Uh, but that right there, that kind of sets you apart from some lawn care services. Um, how important is that part of your work? Mm-hmm. Well, um, actually, uh, tree care is not a part of what we do, despite the fact that we have a very well-trained season. Oh, really? I, yeah. Well, I thought, okay, I, yeah. I saw something on the website about trees and shrubs. Yeah, we do treat shrubs, but but uh, with with uh, with trees, uh, we are we are really not in that business at least today. Um, uh-huh. You know, but it's uh, it's something that that um, I would say is on our minds. Um, answer- let me let me say something. Yeah, I'm I, I'm actually I think that's a good thing. I yeah. I'm I like your answer. Yeah, because obviously we have a a company, a tree care company that's a sponsor of our show and and other shows do. And I think it's really important to have the experts do that kind of work because trees are very special. And and I can comment on that too. I think there, there is a perception sometimes, Mike, that, that lawn care companies aren't well suited or maybe don't have the expertise to do tree care. And I think in some cases that's, we've seen that to be true. We've seen circumstances where lawn care companies uh, claim that expertise and and really um, they don't know what they're doing. And so my mind, it's important for any customer who's seeking out tree care services to seek out uh, an experienced professional. Um, you know, Bartlett's a good example. You know, we've partnered with Bartlett in the past. I think uh, Phil Fitch is a, a friend of Greenwise and a guy who... Uh, hey, we're going to be working with Phil Fitch on the south side on the 31st of March. We're taking the show... On down, the road. On the road oh, to Wild Blossom Meadery and Winery. Oh. And Phil is going to be there... 
uh, with Nick from his office also, and they're going to be answering tree care questions and giving away tree seedlings. So, folks, and it's free. You can come and you well, if you want mead, you'll have to buy some mead. And and I'm 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 imagining people drinking mead at nine a.m. That's going to be really interesting. But so you know, Phil. Yeah, we do. Phil's Phil's a friend of Greenwise, and um, and I think he manages the Chicago territory. Right. So if you ever need anything, you know, tree related, he's a great guy to call. There are others out there too. Um, I would say it's helpful for us to have Dan on staff as a certified arborist mm-hmm. because um, although we aren't self-performing the work and oftentimes we will sub, uh, subcontract out tree care, uh, we can provide a second opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's very valuable to our customers. Uh, I want to make sure I, – I was just looking at the website because um, this might confuse some people. If you if you If you take a search engine, you get a search engine and look for Greenwise, it'll pop up. But the website is actually – I am greenwise.com just so you know if you if you can't find it for some reason it's but search engines in the 21st century it's it's so easy and by the way I did a, a Google search um because that's what was up here Google otherwise I would probably do a duck duck go search uh you guys are right in the top 5 of organic uh, lawn care services in the Chicago area. So, and that's always the goal is to get get in the top five. You know, because you know nobody scrolls down past the top five, and that's that's a problem, isn't it? To get uh, you you want that visibility, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's a big part of Robin's uh, Robin's day day job. Yeah, my day job. community <laughs> outreach. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell me what you're doing in terms of community outreach. Well, my latest thing is meeting... move right into the microphone. Oh, there. am I? So I try to meet with different garden clubs and the school district um, right now looking at starting a butterfly garden at their district district headquarters Yay. and then try to get them to promote the idea of planting natives mm-hmm. and, and, you know, sustainability. So, so our hope is then that the district 65 headquarters will start their garden. We'll, we're giving them a, a, garden for free mm-hmm. and then that other schools then in that district yeah. will so, sounds like something the ball rolling. great to document on your blog and on facebook mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what what can you do small and the impact right. and the effect right. it's going to have and anything can be impactful right, right? You, i mean just a small garden makes a huge difference because as we're hearing we're having monarch problems you know mm-hmm. and Pollinator problems all across the board. Yeah, those monarchs are such thugs who are having monarch problems. Oh, my God, I know. No, actually, uh, in the next segment, Peggy and I are going to talk a little bit about the monarchs because they're on their way back north, and it was a good winter so far. Let's um, knock on – this will pick it up. Yeah. No, now I got to leave the mic open there. Uh, There we go. Wow. (laughs) We're having an acoustics issue in the studio this morning. Okay. Hey, listen, I want to thank you guys for coming to the studio. If folks, again, if they are in the Chicago area and they want information, they can go to www.iamgreenwise.com. And I was going to play Hugh Masekela grazing in the grass, but I think I'll do that when we come back from the break. So uh, you'll, you'll hear that. But thank you, Robin. Thank you, Austin. Much success. Keep in touch with us, okay? Thank you so yeah. Thanks so much for uh, having us, Mike. Okay. Uh, more gardening stuff when we come back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 
If spring is right around the corner, so is the Chicago Flower and Garden Show at Navy Pier. From March 20 through 24th, the world of literature springs to life at Flower Tales. The story grows on. There are display gardens, culinary demonstrations, kids' activities, potting parties with William Moss, the garden boss, even craft beer tasting and nightly live music. It's all designed to educate, inspire, and motivate the next generation of gardeners. Once again, we're broadcasting live on Sunday morning. Go to chicagoflower.com. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Bringing a lot of social science into climate change is really important. People who teach climate change now, you have to really get into how it's affecting people, how it's affecting the ability for people to cope, how it's affecting the ability of people to adapt or to mitigate. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate and how it might be affecting you, your lives, and your garden. On WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. So mellow. Music for daylight savings time. <laughs> Music for oversleeping by. <laughs> and we hope you didn't this morning. And for all you folks, I was thinking, for some of the folks who are getting this a, a, a week later, if you haven't set your clock back ye- or ahead yet, you're yeah. a week behind. Wah, wah. No, it's just sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We were talking with our friends. From Greenwise Organic Lawn Care earlier about Monarchs, and you dug up some information yesterday. What's going on, Peggy? Well, as of March 7th, on journeynorth.org, the headline greets you, here they come, large numbers of Monarchs. down the street. Get the phone. All right, never mind. No, let's be fly down the street. Fly down the street, yeah. Large numbers of Monarchs have left the Mexican sanctuaries. But many are still there in the sanctuaries in in Mexico in the mountains um, because cool air came in. So some of them started to leave. The temperatures were right. A cold front came through. Oh, did it? A lot of them are still there. Um, I did see something late last evening saying on uh, one of the Mexican sites saying that the cold front is moving out. So I would imagine that's really going to start the migration north. Wow. Because they're already starting to track them in some of the uh, more northern states in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's good news uh, so far. Yeah, and that's for for the the eastern. Eastern, (laughs) the western monarchs. The western population's been really, really low, although with all the water, I did see a couple things saying that it looks like those that did overwinter Uh may be doing a little bit better because of... The excess moisture. Um, there are a lot of painted lady butterflies being seen as well in California right now. So it looks like migration has started. Um, one of the pieces that I sent to you out of, uh, and I can't recall if it was the Washington Post one or the New Yorker, was commenting on uh, something we should ask perhaps Doug Terran about of the Western populations or someone else about. Okay. Um, saying that the Western populations may be a fairly new thing. There's not a lot of old reports 200, 300 years ago about Ah. Western populations of monarchs. And that's something I said before, too, when we had Doug Terran, who's an entomologist, uh, in here last year. We have records of monarch migrations from about the uh, late 70s, 
early 80s, mid 80s. I mean, we we didn't even figure out where the monarchs were overwintering until the late mm-hmm. 70s. Um, what if these populations rise and fall yeah. every 30 years? Yeah. Uh, or every 50 years? We don't know. And the, it was in the New Yorker article that came out earlier last week. Robert Michael Pyle, the founder of the Xerxes Society and an expert on the Western monarch migration, thinks the Western population may be an accident of happenstance. And it fate, its fate might be tied, uh, or they may be tied to the fate of the Eastern monarchs in the Mexican mountains. So maybe when there are more Eastern, there are fewer Western, and that's the way that goes. And that some of them went West, because there's, See, now we there's get... no early reports, even um, dating back to the 17th century, by Native Americans, early explorers, and priests talking about Western populations. Well, that's why we need to get either Doug Terran back, but we might also get May Berenbaum. Mm-hmm. I've been in conversation with May Berenbaum, who's an entomologist at the University of Illinois and uh, one of the foremost experts on bees, um, and I imagine other insects as well. Uh, and she says she will come and be on the show. Probably not, <laughs> she said, uh, how about uh, a- after the middle of May? <laughs> well, because her that's her name. Yeah. You know, and I and I love the fact that her last name is is Berenbaum. Start it's spelled B E R blah 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 blah. But with her first name and her last name, her email starts maybe M A Y B E. I love that. I want that, but uh, I can't because she's got it already. But so maybe we'll be here maybe in May. Maybe. Um, and she will talk to us about that. I want a quick shout out to our friend Rick Moskovitz. Um, uh, who is listening. He, said, he just sent me an email. I'm listening. Uh, it sounds like Dr. Frazier Crane. I'm listening. I hear you. Uh, and uh, he's been in the hospital um, and he's recuperating. Uh, you got to stop that hospital thing, Rick. Don't do that anymore, okay? It's a couple of times in the last couple of years where he's, uh, and they did a major heart surgery on him this time around. Um Although the other thing he went through was also major. So just stop that, okay? Just stop doing that, Rick, uh, and get better, okay? And uh, let me know if I should come out and whether you're going to have your uh, musical instruments there and sing uh, a ditty for us. In fact, I'll tell you what. If I can track it down, I'll play it in the second hour, um, the little ditty you did for for Peggy and me. Uh, Something else that uh, I discovered... Uh, well, I got an email from the uh, Crop Science Society of America and the American Society of Agronomy, um, and it was about seed germination. And I have to tell you, do you have seeds going? I do. We do. Not yet. I, and I shouldn't claim a lot of credit for this because Kathleen did most of the heavy lifting here, the you know of the seed mix. Uh, oh, but 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 what have you got here? <gasps> Oh, look at this. Garden Treasure Tomato. Awesome. I didn't bring any for you because we used up the last of our seeds. What? These are from Dr. Harry Klee at the University of Florida. What the? Garden I do gem. have some. Well, we we planted see, garden gems. The ones we have the, the fewest of are the new hybrid. Dr. Uh, Harry Klee at the University of Florida has been trying for the last few years to create the perfect tomato. And we've had him on the show before. Um, and you should look up Dr. Harry Klee and uh, Cultural Sciences Department, University of Florida, Agricultural. Agricultural Science. You okay there? Yeah, I'm fine. I just stepped on my cord and nearly <laughs> t- 
garroted myself there. That would have been a very loud clunk in the microphone. Oh my goodness, I almost fell right over. Yeah, and you can go online if if you if you. In fact, I'm going to do it right now to see because uh, you can go to the lab and you can order these seeds. And I'm going to tell you, you should now. They're okay. I will tell you, they're hybrids, and there are a lot of folks out there that are kind of. Uh, they're sort of uh, all right. I don't want to say snobs, but they're, they they think that heirlooms are the only mm-hmm. way to go. Uh, Self pollinated uh, 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 tomatoes and plants, but these tomatoes that Dr. Harry Clee is putting the, together, the hybrids, the garden gem and the garden treasure, yeah, are grow fabulously and taste wonderfully. Yeah, and they're tough. And you go to the Clee Lab homepage, and here it is. Welcome to Harry's Tasty Tomato Page. Um, just put that in your search engine and smoke it. Uh, welcome to Harry's Tasty Tomato page. And you can get some of those seeds, and all they ask is like a $10 donation so that it goes to the to lab. To support their work. Yeah, yeah, to support the work yeah. down there because they're doing these hybrids. And we mentioned earlier they're selling them with proven winners this year, although – from what we understand, they're basically sold out. Yeah, proven winners next year. They'll they'll have more next year. So anyway, very quickly, uh, I got this information from the Crop Science Society of America about seed conditions, um, and this is just some tips you might keep in mind if you're getting your seed started. Uh, right temperature. We talked about that on the show before. Some plants require moderate to high temperatures, but others may need cold temperatures. This plays a major role in the success of the planting. So know what the seed requires. It's not one size fits all. Suitable moisture. Moisture essentially brings the seed back to life. Too too much, however, can cause seeds to rot. Yes. Um, Oxygen. Make sure the seeds can breathe. This is why getting your soil texture right before planting can really help with your yields. Adding in some compost and making sure... Now, obviously, not in your seed. If you have seed starting mix, you're getting sterile mix. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing this indoors, you're not adding compost until the plant starts to grow. This is after germination, a little while after germination. Um, uh, Seed depth. This is variable depending on the seed size. If we put small seeds in too deep, lack of oxygen will limit seed germination or the seedling will finish its food reserve prior to reaching the soil surface. On the other hand, large seeds need a deep planting location so that roots can grow deeply for proper anchorage. So those are just uh, some of the things and they apply to things in the soil as well as things uh, you're planting Mm -hmm. indoors. All right. Second hour, we're talking food. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More than ever, Chicagoans are looking for resources to help them lead a healthier, more sustainable lifestyle. I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach consumers that support this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us our readers are committed to improving their health, leading greener lives, and taking action. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors, nutritionists, organic products, relaxation options, fitness and yoga classes, green landscapers, energy efficiency experts, and more. Our dedicated readers pick up their free copies of Natural Awakenings each month throughout Chicago and the suburbs because they know it's our area's best source for information about healthy green living. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. And check us out at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. 
welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, we're very excited in the uh, next segment. We're going to be talking about the Good Food Expo, which is coming to town. Once again, Peggy and I are going to be there, mm-hmm. as always. Uh, let's let's give a little sh- real quick plug. We've got all sorts of shout-outs and promos. Go for it. I'm looking up something here. Okay. Today is the last day of the One Earth Film Festival. Oh, that's right. And you can see what's still playing in the area by going to oneearthfilmfest.org. And uh, in addition to Good Food Expo, which we'll be talking about, we will be at the Chicago Flower and Garden Show doing a live broadcast. Live, live, live. Live, live on Sunday, March 24th from 9 to 11 a.m. But the Flower and Garden Show runs March 20 through 24th. Go to chicagoflower.com and we have tickets to give away for that. Cool. Cool. We'll should to... we should we give some away right now? Um, sure. Why not? All right. Sure. Let's give away, um, uh, like two, um, two sets of two. Two sets of two. Yeah, and, just uh, two free tickets to the Chicago Flower and Garden shows. Call in. Call in. Yeah. All right. At eight seven 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 eleven fifty six eleven. You don't even have to answer anything other than your name. Where do we send them? Your phone number and your email address. Right. All right. First two callers. That's it's, it's that simple. First two callers, 877-711-5611. You'll get a couple of tickets. We, we, we're going to make it easy for Ellie. So she <laughs> doesn't have to keep answering phone calls. First two callers uh, will get a pair of tickets to the Chicago Flower and Garden Show, yeah. which is March 20th through the 24th. And we will be there live on the 24th with this show, this very show. Yeah. All right. And ahead. we will also be uh, stopping by the Chicago... Land Community Gardener Association 7th Annual Conference, March 30th. That's from 9 to 4. The theme this year is Gardening and Adapting to a Changing Climate. And that is going to be at the Breakthrough Family Plex, 3219 West Carroll Avenue in Chicago. Go to chicagocommunitygardens.org for more information. Okay. And you mentioned this in Hour 1, live broadcast Sunday, March 31st. Wild Blossom Meadery, Winery, and Brewery. And following the well, show. Well, 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 that's that it's yeah, that is like it's a three ring circus, yeah. okay? What you gotta know because that's what I was gonna say once, following the show. Once Audrey Fisher gets involved in something, it just it just never ends. So there's gonna be <laughs> a honey run before the event on the thirty first fundraiser at, at uh, Dan Ryan Woods on the south side of Chicago. So it's a, a honey run, and then you come and see the show, and if you come to the show, you can run for free, you can do the show for free. You come to the show, you can buy mead, you can buy other goodies there because it's all about baking with honey and and cooking with honey, I should say. It's the, um, the go, Bee Charmer. Go ahead. Bee oh, Charmer. It'll be the Bee Charmer honey and mead tasting with cookbook signing with Chef Carrie Schloss. But as we also mentioned, uh, Bartlett Tree Experts will be there. They're going to be on the show. And then afterwards, if you're down in that area or, or anywhere, you can come to the show on the 31st. Come to the Dan, well, Wild Blossom Meadery, which is 
Uh, what's the address? 9030 South Hermitage in okay. Chicago. Right next to the woods there. Uh, our Bartlett tree experts will answer your tree questions, and they're giving out tree seedlings, bee-friendly tree mm-hmm. seedlings for free and just giving them out. So uh, you can get your questions answered and do that. And then um, we also are going to be talking about conservation at home. So if folks from the uh, Cook County Forest Preserve District to talk about conservation at home. An extension. Uh, an extension. They will be there. So it's like too much going on. <laughs> All right, but so it'll be a great time. In other words, and if you go to the honey tasting, that's twenty bucks right now. Uh, if you in advance, twenty five if you wait till the last second. But the the show itself is free, so it's like there's a paid part of this and there's a free part of this. But uh, tree tree uh, advice is free. Yeah. Hun- honey and tasting. They'll have food available. Yeah, 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 there'll be food available. So there you go. Keep going. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, after all that, yeah. Ah, uh, little shout out then to Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall. So today, Bill and Carrie are welcoming radio, lend- radio legend John Records Landecker. John Records Landecker. How about that? Yeah. So I think he's coming into the studio. I'm not sure. I, I bet he's on the phone. If not I had sure. to guess, I'm betting he's on the phone. I don't know, but he's going to be on the show today at, from Sunday 1 to 3 right here on 1590 WCGO. They're also talking with Steph Taraska Comedy. And Tony Rosser with Practical Advice for Actors. All right. And I want to give a shout out to our friend Doug Wood at uh, Wicker Park uh, Garden Club. And they are doing a series of lectures starting tomorrow evening at 7 p.m., 7 to 8.30, Prairie Style in the Parks. The Julia Backrack Lecture Series. She's a consulting historian, planner, and preservationist, author of several books, including The City in a Garden, A History of Chicago's Parks, and there's going to be three lectures over three weeks, and it just sounds so cool. Uh, the first one tomorrow is Chicago's early parks from small squares to boulevard system. Then uh, on the 18th, progressive era in parks, innovation, innovative plants and designs by Jensen, Perkins, and others. And then the, mas- the, thir- the, the 25th, masterworks of park design, Columbus Park, Alfred Caldwell, Lily Pool. Promontory Point and more, and it just sounds like a great series. It doesn't cost wow. very much at all. It's fifteen dollars per lecture or thirty-five for the entire three-part series. So that uh, sounds great. And it's in Wicker Park, so uh, it's Wicker Park Fieldhouse, fourteen twenty-five North Damon. I've been thinking of giving a shout out to Doug Wood for all these weeks, and I did it. Woohoo! All right, we have the twenty nineteen Chef of the Year coming up. This is Mike Novak. Admit it, you're already jonesing for fresh tomatoes. You've even thought about growing them indoors, but you're not sure how. Happy Leaf LED to the rescue. Their website has how-to videos about planting your indoor garden, including tomatoes. The secret is their fantastic grow lights. Five-year warranty, USA made, available in three sizes. Go to happyleafled.com and do some video binging. Happy Leaf LED grow lights. Jumpstart your tomatoes with better light. Get ready to eat, meet, and be thoughtful at Family Farms' 15th Annual Good Food Expo. It's your chance to connect with Midwest farmers and producers, learn from chefs like Erling Wu Bauer and Gene Banchett, and eat delicious food in the Good Food Court. Entry is free with online registration. The Good Food Commons is back, as is Test Your Soil. Good Food happens Saturday, March 23rd at the UIC Forum in Chicago. 
Visit goodfoodexpo.org. This is Mike Novak. Serious and even not so serious gardeners in the Chicago area know that there's a year-round resource that always comes in handy, Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region, and it's packed with information about plants indoors and out. Every issue contains insightful articles by gardening pros, fantastic photos, science, and more. With features like what to do in the garden, design tips, and Chicagoland natives, you're going to be ready to grab a trowel and dig. Even I have a column in the inside back page of every issue. It's practically fact-free, and I'm proud of it. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. I had to play something appropriate coming into this segment. You know this song, don't you? I do know this okay. song. Okay. It's like, well, you know, because I don't know anymore. You get to the point, you're you're a youngish guy. I'm not a young guy. Yeah. <laughs> I've been around. Yeah, you have been around the block. Uh, that's Jason Hamill, uh, who is the proprietor, the founder of Lula Cafe in my neck of the woods. And Logan it's ca- Square. Uh, Logan Square. Um, and he was there uh, before Logan Square was cool, uh, I, I, which I wrote on my blog. Uh, and you can go to MikeNovak.net and see some of the links and some of the information about Jason Hamill. Um, and I know about this because you started the restaurant in 1999. Did. I moved to Logan Square in 2000. Oh. So, so we both came there came when, it, when it wasn't cool. Uh, now the We're diff- visionaries. Yeah, yeah. I, well, here's, Pioneers. The pro- here's the difference, though. Here's the problem. Your area, because you're right in the square, became cool. My area, which is like at Armitage and Kimball, still isn't cool. It's just, oh yes, it's coming. Well, coming not, up yet. Hard. not yet, not you yet, not yet. A couple coffee shops nearby. Uh, but you've got Giant. You have uh, Bungalow. I mean, just a little bit east of you. Those yeah, are see, really and that's cool and that's see, and that's what I always say. It's a little bit east. That's the wall of money. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you can yeah. feel, or the tidal wave of money is coming west. Mm-hmm. And we do have um, uh, the vegan place. I'm sorry. Um, ah. I'm 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 forgetting the name of it. It's uh, ground control. Ground control. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ground control, which is on Armitage, and that is just right across Kimball's. But that block, the minute it's almost like the minute you you cross over Kimball, it's a vast wasteland. Well, when I first moved here, you weren't allowed to cross over Ashland. So you know, what I mean? <laughs> uh, those, you know were, those were the the frontiers. Uh, and, it changes, and, right? And I just heard one of the mayoral candidates yesterday. I think it was. Um, Lori Lightfoot saying we've got to change the city so that uh, places west of Ashland are actually part of the city. Mm-hmm. They feel like they belong. And you're right that for a long time, Logan Square, wow, that was that was in the middle of nowhere. Right. When you went under the viaduct at Western and entered mm-hmm. into this greenscape, you felt like you were going into a different world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So why did you start there? One of the things I read in one of the stories was <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't a lot of risk. Uh, it wasn't like yeah. you were spending a ton of money um, 
to in the tax base to to stay there. No, I mean I the I have an unusual story in that um I moved to Illinois to go to graduate school. Um I had a friend who was from Chicago and uh he said uh you know if you're moving to Chicago, um you should move, live in Logan Square and you should go to this coffee shop called Logan Beach, um which was um you know, your classic 90s bohemian coffee shop. And I did that exact thing. Uh, I went to Logan Beach. Um, and Logan Beach became my nexus, my community, everything for me. And uh, that's where I met uh, my future wife and the uh, co-owner of uh, Lula, uh, Leah, and uh, all of my friends. And eventually Logan Beach closed and Leah and I took over. Um, so that's the story. On the first day I went to Logan Beach, it was the first day I was in Chicago. And that is the space that is now Lula. So there was no risk at all. We we just got we were there was no intention either. You know, it was more you know never imagined we were building a restaurant. Mm -hmm. We were building a we were continuing an active community space that we didn't want to see uh, leave the neighborhood. And fast forward to 2019, and we'll and we'll fill in the gaps sure. at some point. Twenty but, years, <laughs> but 20 years go by so quickly. Uh, fast forward to 2019, and you're you're just you're just collecting all these awards this year. It's just. Uh, it's 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 kind of cool. Uh, obviously, uh, the reason you're on the show today uh, is because of the Good Food Expo coming up, and Peggy and I are there every year, and we've often talked to chefs of the year. Uh, not everyone, but uh, we had the the honey butter chicken mm-hmm. folks here, and mm-hmm. and, Good I, friends. and uh, Paul Fehrenbach. Mm-hmm. I talked to him a couple several years ago, and and it's great to talk to the, the different people and the different kinds of things that that they do and so you're getting the chef of the year award but you also got one earlier this year um mm-hmm. which was uh okay and i and i don't have the, it right john Bonchet award thank you thank you i was uh, like the local the local too. the local oscars of of the food world yeah. for, chicago, right. for chicago and then you're a final a semi-finalist, a semifinalist with the uh, james beard awards yeah. and so, when, do, when do you find out about that uh, it's at the end of the month so are you just clearing out a place on your mantle for no, all I mean, the trophies? Be, uh, no, it would be nice. To, um, but, you know, it's very – obviously, it's really nice to be recognized like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been um, I've been here f- doing this for a long time, yeah. and uh, I have really great teams at both restaurants. And, uh, I, you know, it's an honor for the team as much as it is for mm-hmm. me and a recognition of, you know, building over time. Yeah. Um, and that, that I really do appreciate. And uh, one of the things that's been great for me is that I've been at the Jean Bonchet, for example, the awards every year the last like five or six years because not because of me, because of other people that I've mentored who've been up for pastry chef of the mm-hmm. year, or rising star, or et cetera. You know, and I had a James Beard finalist who worked for me, um, Sarah Rinkovich, uh, who was up for that award. She's at uh, last, she's, now. Uh, yeah, and uh, she didn't, you know, she didn't win, but it was great to be nominated and it was mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> And I can't help because uh, uh, our uh, our our staff member Ellie was just in here taking photos. But anytime we open the door, we get wafted with I think burrito smell. And I just want to say, <laughs> would you would you give us your take on the uh, the smell that's wafting down the hall here? I, I, I don't well, I don't on, think onions it's make the world go round. Yes, they do. Well, say. that's why I played green onions to start the yeah, segment right. because I'm sure you use a few of those. But that gets us to what you do in your restaurants and you have more than one now and i do have two now and possibly a third um well uh, my i do have a third coming uh it's a different kind of project lula is my home base mm-hmm. is where i'm the chef and i you know i spend every day there uh marisol uh i'm, I'm also there a lot that's inside the museum of contemporary art 
I am um, working on a new restaurant in Logan Square. It's an Indian restaurant. I'm not the chef. I am working with two mm -hmm. uh, chefs that are doing Indian food. And we're trying to do this new um, project. We're not trying. It's going to open in a couple of months. A new project called Superkana. Uh, so I'm involved in that, um, but I'm not the chef of that restaurant. It's more, I'm, I call myself the producer. I'm like the, Quin the Quincy Jones. <laughs> That's kind of cool, you know, though, uh, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's it's awesome. So this, these are the opportunities that come when you've been around and you can, you know, sort of bring people who know um, differently than you uh, together to create. And that's uh, what I see my next role as being. And you are one of the people uh, in Chicago who brought farm to table, made it that phrase viable in in chicago you didn't create farm to table but you were one of the pioneers in introducing that concept to chicago well, certainly well i certainly go to the market myself and believe in going to the market <laughs> well uh, you can see I, it's not I even do. fair you get to walk right around the corner and there's the oh, market well actually the market i go to I, I i the logan square market is terrific um and uh it's uh, a really important part of our community yeah uh the market that i shop at twice weekly is the green city market oh, okay. in lincoln park uh that's the first market that came to chicago of the of its kind mm -hmm. and i that's where i've developed all my relationships and so i'm the first one there wednesdays and saturdays and uh i i love it it's part of my life and it's it's more about you know uh, one thing that people don't understand is that um a lot of us who use local farms um all of us get deliveries so they show up we know it's coming. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, there's no surprises in, mm -hmm. in, uh, in the seasonality of things. Um, and that's how we are able to, you know, operate. You know, we're not going to go and pick up hundreds of pounds of produce every, every day. Um, but those of us who uh, believe in visiting the market are there for the relationships and for the stories and for the people um, and just to get to know um, the community. So I still go to the market um, myself all, all the time. So as a chef, how do you shop the market? Well, um, you know, I it's a lot of schlepping, you know, of, of lots of boxes. Um, but, 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 what uh, you, but, I mean, what are you looking for? What What's... That's kind of what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I'm not, there's not, there's very rarely a time when I don't know what's there already before mm -hmm. getting there. There's a, they're very, very rare surprises. Why, why is that? Because the you build relationships with the farmers, and the farmers communicate with you directly. So you know, I get texts, and, and you're more in touch with them than yeah. I, than the average consumer. I think. Oh, for sure. I'm yeah. just talking about the chef life. You know, the oh, chef you, life okay, is right. you get a text message saying radicchio is ready on mm -hmm. Wednesday, but you knew the radicchio was coming. Yeah, you know, radicchio comes and at yeah. this time every the, year. But you know the right the seasonal the, yeah schedules. the seasonal schedule is there. But you know there are there are plus and minuses of a few weeks. So. You get to know when when things are coming mm -hmm. before other people do, and then you order it. I'll say, oh, I want two cases of radicchio, and I'll pick them up. The fun part is when um, you get there at the market, and you know Beth from Green Acres, her dad will go out and pick things that you know she didn't know he was going to do, and like there'll be <laughs> one box of sunchoke flowers or something mm -hmm. like that, and with then your, with your name on it. Yeah, or I mean, if you get there early enough, it's yeah. your name. Um, so that's the fun part. The other part is that I, you know, I might bring my son or Beth might ask me about how, you know, someone is doing. And then we have a conversation. And it's the conversations that actually bring the bring something deeper to the vegetable. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it's not just yeah, the there's vegetable. A there's a story and there's yeah. a personal relationship. And then having the personal relationship means that everybody's going to care more about mm -hmm. that product, you know, and when it comes into the restaurant, they're going to make sure it's treated right. 
they're not going to, you know, um, they're not going to mistreat it. It's not a nameless box of commodity produce from someplace, yeah. you know, that you don't know. Um, that really, that deepens the experience from everybody, for me personally, but also then for all the cooks that work for us. And one of the things that's happened out of this is um, it seems like it's almost an improvisation, your your farm dinners on, yeah, on it, Mondays. Yeah, and they that, are. That started out of at the farmer's market. That started out of the farmer's market. And what's what it's really become is a like more formal, creative enterprise. And as I've moved, you know, when I've, as I've gotten older and my chefs have come up, mm-hmm. it's really um, it's it's really me directing them to understand how to put food together, how to react to um, vegetables and produce and also, you know, um, other things. I mean, we, we, we live through the winter, so we're not always, you know, shopping at the market. Right. right. Um, but and how to how to build dishes and how to think in, in the ways that I like to think. And those are the fa- that's the, the mentorship that develops and. uh and the mentorship that really crafts really great cooks. And one of the proudest things for me about Lula is that it has produced really great chefs um, that you, some of whom don't, you know, don't work for me anymore. I've gone on to open their own restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, but do, the, do you want to name names? Sure. I'd be happy to. Mike Simmons at Cafe Marie Jean, uh, Jason Vincent and Ben Lusbader at Giant. Um, Hunter Moore is at Parsons. There, there, there are many others. Uh, Ellison um, Park is at Income Tax. Um, there's, there are others too that, you know, those are the ones off the top of my mm-hmm. head. I mean, they've, they've gone on and done amazing things and I'm not saying it's because of me, but because, it's because Lula, um, was like new dish, new dish, new dish, yeah. this thing, we're going to use this and keep, keep, keep going. And like, there's no time to, to, you know, ask yourself uh, a lot of questions. You put things together <laughs> and, and, uh, taste and, and de- uh, develop, yeah. you know? So how so how do you develop that farm dinner? Um, every Monday night you do a three course. Mm-hmm. Offering. We've never repeated any of the and dishes. And you haven't repeated it. So what's... In how many years? Just 20 years. So you can You've do the math. never repeated a dish? No. So no, no repeats. Radicios in season, carrots, or whatever's in season. How do you plan that out so you don't repeat anything? So the Monday prior to the Monday that we're talking about, so like last Monday, mm-hmm. um, we, we ask for ideas. So we come together, the group of us, and we all throw ideas into the table. Oh, see, I thought you just threw a pile of vegetables uh, on the table and <laughs> and say go. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love, I'd love to do. It. I mean, it's yeah, it's a little that less was, top chef. That was chef-y. the first dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how kind of how it used to be when it was just me. But uh, you know, we will ask for ideas and we'll say, mm-hmm. well, okay, well, you know, bring up Beth. She has radicchio, if, if that's the example we're using, and okay. uh, it's coming. It's coming out this weekend. She said she's going to have it. And um, anybody, anybody, got any ideas for radicchio? And someone might say, well, what if, you know, we use the pecans from Tracy and do like some kind of like pecan, you know, pesto-y thing or like a, you know, or an alat or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's like nutty and, and fun. How can we do that? And I'm like, well, you know, remember that time that we did the radicchio where we grilled it and then tossed it? What if we did something like that? But instead of grilling it, we're going to sear it in a pan with brown butter. I don't know. Like, what, yeah. that's just like, blah, 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 blah. And it, yeah. it comes and I edit these conversations and I push them in certain places and then we have a sketch of an idea. Mm-hmm. And so then we do our ordering with our farms. You know, we say, okay, if you're going to have radicchio on Saturday, we're buying it and we're picking it up. So we pick it up on Saturday and then they start testing. So everybody's testing and we'll test the radicchio and, oh, it's a little bitter when you do it this way. Let's try a different way. Let's set up the grill. We'll grill mm-hmm. it. Um, and then I'll taste it. You know, today I'll be tasting some dishes when this, you know, radio show is over. And they're never done. You know, we have to say, Can I, you, you give know, us a, 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 t- a tip on what's going to be tomorrow? 
Um, sure. I mean, we're, we're working with um, some spring vegetables that we're getting from a farm in California. Oh. So, um, you know, we can't wait. And so we're getting spring onions. And um, we're, doing, we're doing some spring onion and um, seafood uh, together. Um, and, and a little bit of dried mushroom. I mean, we're working on this thing mm-hmm. that has like some umami with the dried mushroom. Ooh. But we just started. Um, so I'll taste that later today. Um, and you know, I usually you, give you a lot of advice. really excited about I'm always, this. I'm always, yeah. I'm always like the, this part is the best part because they get some of the, the sous chefs and, uh, and my chef de cuisine, like they, you know, they're working really hard at putting these things together. And like, sometimes you have to take things away and it's things that they're really dedicated to. You know what I mean? Like this, yeah. this thing that they worked on for, you know, three hours today, I might be like, you know, it's not working. We have to throw that out. <laughs> so, and it's hard, you know, and you, you have yeah. to say, say to yourself, yeah. like, a lot of times what will spoil cooking is actually, like, just adding too many things, yeah. you know, and not being confident in the thing that you're making that it, that's present. You know, you're you're sort of covering it up or mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're obscuring it somehow, and, like, that's not respecting the original ingredient. So we always, we always kind of take one thing off, you know, before, you know, before we leave... And you don't want too many cooks because that'll spoil the broth. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But I mean, we're all about, we, we are about like a lot of, you know, we do have a lot of cooks there and it's about managing them, which is what my, you know, he my He just job rolled is. with it. I mean, he's, yeah. he's just. He's heard that line so many gonna times. He's going to ignore me on that. Well, but it's it's actually a, a luxury to have so many cooks there working on this and providing different inspiration. Well, it's a function of being very busy. Yeah. You know, you know, there's obviously there's a financial picture there. And like, if you're not really busy, it's really hard to put the resources mm-hmm. to that. But we're thankfully 20 years later, like yeah. packed all the time. <laughs> That's a problem to have. That's a good problem. All have, right. Yeah. That is uh, Jason Hamill, who is the Good Food Expo Chef of the Year. He's also the creator of Lula and Marisol and kind of a producer of another restaurant. Uh, we've got more. We'll, talk, let, we'll go into the Good Food Expo a little bit when we come back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki talking food. You can always call. Be part of the conversation. Please do. Did you know a typical carrot travels 1,838 miles to reach your dinner table? That's not a sustainable distance, and it's a great reason to consider eating more locally. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Reducing your food miles is one way to lower your carbon footprint and eat more sustainably, which is healthier for the planet and probably for you too. So go to your local farmer's market and get to know your farmers. Consider joining a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, and get fruits and vegetables fresh from the farm directly. It's also a great way to stimulate local economy. Find a farmer's market or CSA near you by going to localharvest.org. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and, of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. Hey, Chicagoland. When you want the best science-based tree care in the area, go to Bartlett Tree Experts. With locations in Barrington, Naperville, downtown Chicago, and Northbrook, Bartlett has 80 tree care professionals ready to do what's right for your tree and you. They also partner with great organizations like the Morton Arboretum. Whether it's your home or your business, a large job or a small one, every tree needs a champion. Call for a free estimate. Go to Bartlett.com. 
You can enjoy fresh local food all winter long at indoor farmers markets hosted by different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April 6th. Your purchase of sustainably produced food helps support regional farm families. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of all faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule, go to faithinplace.org. What is this, anyhow? This is your talk. This is America, Jack. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Watch out, here I come. So instead of going into food stuff, I just went totally techno. That sounds fun. Yeah. The club is still going. (laughs) Raging somewhere. (laughs) With the time change, who knows? Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This is... Really great this morning. We're so pleased to have you in the studio with us, uh, Chef Jason Hamill from uh, Lula Cafe. And we're talking about um, about farm to table and, and that sort of thing. In fact, uh, during the break, uh, and we'll get to the Good Food Expo in a second because your, uh, your PR lady will get on my case if I don't oh, no, do that. Let's the, talk about it. It's, yeah, great. it's a great uh, event. Right? It yeah. is. It's a wonderful oh, yeah. event. I mean, that's there's so much to talk about there. But really quickly... You were talking about getting some things from California uh, in the winter. How do you balance local food versus what you can't access readily? Well, I think that there were some missteps in, uh, you know, prioritizing the locality of the food in, you know, the last, you know, five, ten years of the local food movement. I mean, I, I believe in local, I believe in local meaning personal individual connections with people who are caring about the land and making things in the right way. That doesn't mean that they need to be within a certain mile radius. But that's what you hear. That's the rap is that yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's that's 50, because of the carbon, miles. that's yeah, because yeah. of the carbon footprint. Right. Of course. Um, but, um, <laughs> I don't think that that should be the primary way you make decisions. Like we make decisions based on quality relationship mm-hmm. and carbon footprint. We don't make them just on based on carbon footprint. And I don't, um, I think that those three things uh, create, I'm. I, they shouldn't, I mean, I don't know how exactly to judge which one's more important than the other. I mean, I'm hopeful for, balanced. yeah, I'm very hopeful for a future in my chef lifetime where, um, you know, uh, what is that thing called? The hyperloop that they're working on in California where they're <laughs> shooting people through tubes at high <laughs> rates of speed. I'm really hoping that my... Um, Cara Cara oranges that I buy from a farm that I know in uh, California are going to be shooting in a hyperloop right to me because those oranges are a special product mm-hmm. yeah. and we don't grow oranges here. Right. Not and, very much. And, no. Cara Cara is limited. They're yeah. limited. And that's what I, I mean. We're going to cook with them no matter what. And we're going to cook with lemons as well. And I <laughs> would love. And olive oil. And olive oil. And I would love to reduce the carbon footprint of those mm-hmm. things. Um, but also there are things that are grown here in the Midwest that like are unbelievably good, like asparagus or blueberries. And there are things that aren't so good, like melons. And the melons... You don't think Midwest melons are very good? No. And uh, Why is, why I is mean, that? There are occasions when they're delicious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Occasions. There are... Uh, Seedling Farm makes... Uh, you know, shout out to Pete at Seedling. There are some good... <laughs> there you go. There are some good melons coming from Pete, and there are some good melons from coming from Beth. They're like finding... I mean, they're really tough to find. There's a lot of low quality melons. So, what makes a good melon versus? I mean, I 
the best melon I've ever had in my life was in Italy, and it was a transformative mm-hmm. experience. We did, there's no melon like that I've ever tasted. Is in it America. the soil? Is it the it's a terroir thing? It's a fa- yeah, it's, the yeah, it's a twi- it's, and it's also like a cultural thing. I mean, these people have been growing these melons for you know a long time, and they specialize in this one area and this you know this yeah. this particular melon, and it's it's un- it's unbelievably good. Um, and that is um, what well, for the uninitiated. How would you characterize it? Can you possibly characterize it? Um, I, I mean, uh, for that melon. Yeah, so, I mean that melon. I cannot characterize. It's a, a, aroma, texture, everything. Yeah, it it is something that okay. I mean. It's there's a sweetness that mm-hmm. isn't cloying. There's a texture that's firm but still gives. And uh, yeah. you know, uh, it it was an amazing melon. I mean, I mean, it was kind of goofy. To talk about. Um, and I you know, love it. No, yeah, but I get it. Yeah. You, you get it, right? Yeah. So, like, and that's that region is it makes it grows those things in this amazing yeah. way. You need the tube to come from Italy across the Atlantic and to Chicago. I mean, people try that. I mean, we certainly buy. We're buying uh, white asparagus yeah. from it's from Europe right now. It loses it something travels, in the yeah. time. Yeah, and that's why yeah. people need to travel. Yeah. But here in America, like, we can develop like um uh like we don't need to be growing the same things in Illinois that we grow in. Uh, South Carolina that we grow in California that we grow in Texas mm-hmm. like every farmer's market in New York every farmer's market does not need to look exactly the same you know what I mean because right. of the vegetables that right. are like trendy right. or whatever like I hope that as as this but do they do you think they uh, currently almost look identical because you know what I mean people um, want to find the ingredients right they do and so everybody's growing everything and mm-hmm. like that might not be the best solution and like I this is probably hearsay and I'm probably getting it I love heresy okay I, you know, like uh, <laughs> um, but uh I that's how that's how I think it's like that we need to develop in America. We have not developed like a real understanding of vegetable terroir and mm-hmm. um, it's it's burgeoning and it's coming coming this way. And in the Midwest, we really need to think carefully about what we want to grow yeah. and and, you know, where it's going to go. And that is going to mean that we have to transport these things from place to place. You know, in Italy, when you go, I remember sitting um, in with my family at like this amazing seafood restaurant. Uh, in Liguria, which is, you know, northwest Italy. And in this restaurant, I was kind of looking in the back and the crates of tomatoes show up. They're not showing up from Liguria. They're showing up from Campania, like from the south. So mm-hmm. they travel there. And granted, it's not that far. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's, you know, a 10 hour trip or whatever it is. But that's where the best tomatoes are. And that's where this restaurant was buying them. They weren't buying them from their local market that was making the tomatoes. They were buying them from the best yeah. possible place they could. And they were celebrating that in their cuisine. And I, I appreciated that. This is a great conversation to have, though, in the future. We can't, we need to move on. But yeah. the idea that our, how do we develop that, that uh, culture here mm-hmm. in the Midwest with our farmers markets and with the growers, you know, we're not even that far removed from <laughs> turning corn and soybeans into what they call specialty crops. I mm-hmm. always laugh when I hear specialty crop because that's actually the food on your table, right. what they call a specialty crop. But, and, uh, and that's what good food expo is focusing on. Right. And 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 getting to and that's the whole point is uh, March 22nd and 23rd at the UIC, uh, University of Chicago, uh, Illinois at Chicago. Um, it's the Midwest's premier annual event focused on locally and sustainable produced food. And you, if you've never been there, just show up on the Saturday, okay? Just show up and and just absorb it and and let it be. You know, don't it's, don't even have an agenda. You don't need one on Saturday. Leave your heavy coat in the car and and show up. It's just amazing. It's the fifteenth annual this year. 
Yes, it's been going. It's it gets yeah. better every year too, right? Yeah, and I can remember back in the day. I don't think I've been to every single one, but I know at one point it was in the cultural center. I know one point it was at Navy Pier, and I've visited a lot mm-hmm. of these different locales that it's had over the years. And now it's kind of it really is established and is it is a, a unique experience. And some of the things that, you know, and the, the, there's yeah. there's buyers, innovators, investors. Uh, consumers, uh, they're talking regenerative agriculture, hemp production. That's going to be a big one this year. Converting farmland to organic from conventional production. We were just talking to somebody um, recently who wants to advertise on our show because she's got a product that says, I can help people making that transition with their, I can help them with their soil. Um, growing better grain. Chicago's role as an urban agriculture center. We talked about that last week because we had um, the... Uh, the Nature's Little Recyclers. Yeah, Nature's... The vermicomposting guys, you're familiar cool, with... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, not so cool. They got one of their plots bulldozed by the city. Oh, no. And they're they're fighting going out of business because... The city can't accommodate their operation. There's mm-hmm. they're falling through a crack yeah. in in the yeah. what the setup for the city. So you can have urban farms and you can have uh, community gardens, but to have a, a a business that's a vermicomposting, not so much. And so they're fighting that. And I I want to mention they had a petition, and you can go to Ellie. Let's get the petition up one more time for Nature's Little Research because. They're already at like 3,300 signatures. They're on their way to 5,000 signatures on this. And I bet it'll get to 10,000. It's to just, fix the ordinances. It's been going all week to fix the ordinance yeah. in Chicago. Oh, that's yeah. great. I didn't know about that. So yeah, so it's, learn about it's, that. So, you know, these are the kinds of things we yeah. talk about and they talk about. Uh, good food is good medicine. Good food is good medicine. That's the theme this year. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Jim Slama. Uh, who is the guy, Mr. Mm-hmm. A Good Food Expo, is going to be on the show next week. And so he'll get a chance to plug some of this stuff. But that's what's going on. And, and you're not the only chef there. There there are several others. Uh, and you're going to be honored on Saturday. There is a Friday. A res- Friday. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Friday. Duh. Uh, Friday after I, after all that, you know. Because <laughs> we'll be there all day Friday and Saturday. Yeah, because we're interviewing people all day Friday. Great. Um. We may have to do a, a quick one with you uh, on Friday. We do Facebook Live, and then we post them uh, all day on Friday. And there's Test Your Soil, which I think is really cool because you can test for yeah, heavy I metals. Some soil in, in last your, year for I'm that. bringing soil this week uh, or this, this year. There's the Good Food Commons. There's all sorts of workshops and the Marketplace. And Chef Demos. Yes, I'm well. doing a demo. And, yeah. What are you, what's going to be in your demo? I, I haven't 100% decided yet. <laughs> Um, you know, whatever, uh, whatever pile of vegetables is, is on the table. No, but they they do have uh, a partner with a sustain, sustainable salmon producer farmer. Mm-hmm. So I am going to be using that salmon. Is it Sitka salmon yes, shares? It is, yes. Ding. Proud sponsor of the Mike Novak show. Yeah, We've yeah. had them on here, and I yeah. I get their shares now yeah. because I I've never tasted anything like it. Now we'll be working with that salmon. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Is well, Nick then... going to be there? What's that? Nick Mink coming? I'm not sure. Okay. All right. That yeah, would that I have would not heard. So um, that's all going on, and you can go to goodfoodexpo.org. Yeah, make sure you go, go to get free tickets for Saturday or purchase your Friday tickets. That's the point. The uh, the Saturday event, the festival, the one that you were just you just go in and mm-hmm. absorb it. That's all free. You just need to register. Yeah. If you want to go Friday, and there's more the. That's pref- when I'll be there. That's yep. when you'll be there, yep. and you'll be honored uh, at 5 p.m. Um, at the networking reception. But there are seminars all day on mm-hmm. Friday covering the business aspect of. I just want to make sure I've got something before. Go, go, go. Pilot Light. 
You oh, were right. one of the founders yes, yes. of Pilot Light. <laughs> and when I'm looking at the clock going, we have two minutes. We have two minutes. You want to talk about So Pilot Light is an organization that uh, I founded along with uh, chefs Paul Kahn and Matthias Murgis. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we do is we create educational experiences in Chicago public schools for kids um, that connect food to the things that they're learning in the classroom. So, um, you know, you could be working on a, you know, math problem or, you know, an issue in history or uh, social studies or even a piece of writing. And we'll work with the teachers on developing a classroom experience that um, that's surrounding food. So it's actual sometimes we're cooking, mm-hmm. sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're just investigating. Um, sometimes we're building herb gardens, We, you know, et cetera. But what we do is we use food to engage students, connect them, and to sort of uh, get them in, in excited and interested in what they're learning. And um, it's in 16 uh, schools currently okay. and growing, serving thousands of kids and, and many, many teachers. And I'll be talking a little bit about how food can connect us um, in my demo when I do the demo at the Good Food Expo. All right. If folks want more information about Lula... Uh, they can go to lulacafe.com. Lulacafe.com. You can go to goodfoodexpo.org to find out more about the event. And as we mentioned, uh, Jim Slama will be here with us next week. Tell him I said hi. Uh, and we have all, <laughs> I will, absolutely. Uh, and we have all the links on my website, mikenovak.net, to Pilot Light and Lula and Marisol and Good Food Expo. Jason Hamill, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You can't count on the weather in this town, but when spring arrives, you can count on the Chicago Flower and Garden Show to make an appearance. March 20th through 24th, it's Flower Tales. The story grows on at Navy Pier. Once again, literature is seen through the prism of flowers, plants, and gardens. More than 20 featured display gardens, garden gourmet, daily free kids activities, the marketplace, and more. We're broadcasting live from the show on Sunday morning, so stop by. Go to chicagoflower.com for details. Time was drifting, this rock got to roll. So I hit the road and made my getaway. Welcome back to the mic. Okay, now I'm looking. See, I don't look up that often. Okay. I would split the difference between what you had before when you were cutting off my head and then this. It's like, but I know you're. I know what you're doing. You're trying to get the banner in. Kind of like an Alice in Wonderland. Thing. Yeah, I know. I feel very tiny in in. The, <laughs> okay, wow, was that fun talking to oh, Jason yeah. Hamill? Oh my goodness, that that was just great. He's uh, and and yeah, exploring that whole terror of the, of what you're growing. The melons that we will never experience. That's that's just sad. I think that's isn't a remote it? broadcast. I I think Italy. We go to Italy. Is that mm-hmm. where we're going next? Okay. Have we? By the way, we mentioned uh, just real quickly. Rick DeMaio standing by. Uh, we're doing the thirty first. We're we're out at the uh, the Wild Blossom Meadery and Winery on the twenty fourth. We and I'm working backward here. On the twenty fourth, we're at the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. On the twenty second and twenty third, we're at the Good Food Expo. And on the twenty sixth, which is sandwiched in, we're going to North Carolina. <laughs> to visit the laboratories at Bartlett Tree Experts. And that's going to be really cool. So we're going to do some stuff from there. We're going to... And there may even be a remote coming up in April that we're working on. Oh, gosh. Okay. 
I'm tired. I'm going to take a nap. That's daylight saving time. All right. Let's just go to our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio. Good morning, Rick. Hey, good morning, guys. You mean you're not going to be at the uh, Midwest Tattoo Convention in Rosemont next week? (laughs) How did did you know it was happening? I, I think that's that's like that's like you know that's like Trump signing Bibles, right? That that'll never happen. Oh, oh wait, he did, didn't he? he oh did, didn't he? dear. Okay. All righty then. That's okay because <laughs> I've I've got just the thing. Uh, that's not normal for for no 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 no. I have a new sound effect in case um you you do something like that, Rick. All right. I you mean, can't. just by me saying like tattoos got you guys into a different frame of mind here. I, no, it was, oh, no, it was the it Bible was, signing. It was, a, it, was a Trump, it was a Trump signing Bible, yeah. Yeah, and I meant to play this. Okay, the uh, air, air horn. horn. Oh, there you go. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to bring an air horn go. into the studio one week. Yeah, so to science <laughs> here. I think, I think about this stuff because, you know, part of what really gets me upset about that CPAC thing is that you have people there who have all these values that take place on Sunday, and they put them in the closet, and then they allow the President of the United States to just nail science, nail journalism, and laugh at people who want to create jobs. And here we have the state of Pennsylvania who has more jobs. Speaking of the movie Paris to Pittsburgh, you guys have talked about that movie, by the way? I don't know. Yeah, it's a documentary that right, was, that a, was uh, released on Nat Geo. Uh, it's been showing in some small theaters. Michael Bloomberg was actually the keynote speaker of it when it was released last week, but it deals with you know, us going out, you know, us being uh, basically removed from the Paris uh, Climate Accord. I think it's in the One Earth Film Festival. I think it's in the One Earth Film Festival. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it, yeah. And there's more jobs in renewable energy in the, in the, in the state of Pittsburgh than there are in coal and oil combined. So this is, this, is, this is the kind of fervor that's kind of being boiled up inside of me because spring break was last week at Loyola. So I'm going to go in there hitting home runs when I when I see them again this coming Wednesday. Spring, spring, spring break. Yeah, they have spring, spring? break. Yeah, Wait, that week. would be called ice and winter break. It's a, one, it's <laughs> yeah, I know. But the, see, the whole idea behind spring break as a college student, Peg, is that you go to spring. You don't wait for spring. <laughs> oh, I, I guess that's how it works. Yeah, because it ain't spring yet. Yeah. And not in any when, way. When is this pattern going to break? You sent us an email oh, saying 10 more you know days. That, yeah, that, that's a great question because it does look like we're getting into a little bit of a warm-up uh, as the next big Pacific air mass or Pacific low rolls through the Midwest this coming Wednesday and Thursday. But unfortunately, I think what Peg is alluding to is the fact that we go right back into colder weather uh, this coming Thursday, actually more so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And you know what? It's unfortunate because we, we had kind of this early start to winter in October. Um, we had a horrible November with a lot of snow. December, basically, we said goodbye to winter for about a month. And then we've been in this pattern now, which uh, seems to have been around for almost two months. And every time you get a little bit of a break, you go, okay, is this the end? And it's not. So we're still in somewhat of a wintry pattern once we get into the end of next week, which could easily go into the third week of March. So still a lot of cold air. And I think part of it take is the fact that there's so much snow on the ground to the north of us. I was watching my friend Mike Seidel, the Weather Channel, mm-hmm. and as much as he loves snow, he had this look on his face like, <laughs> why am I here doing a live report from Minneapolis where there's 
where there's two feet of snow on the ground, six feet so far for the season. They just got another another six to ten last night. Wow. And you look at those pictures and you go, oh, my God, that looks terrible. But all you have to do is drive an hour north of Chicago, and there's about six inches of snow on the ground. It's not that far away. Yeah. And uh, I suppose the uh, the option for him is to go to the south and be in a tornado. <laughs> well, yeah, he was in, in Tornadoville last week. And I don't know if you guys remember, but I think the last 15 seconds of our conversation last week with me talking about these type of setups typically bring an early severe weather outbreak. And that's exactly what we got last week. Yeah. And then we got more tornadoes yesterday. So it's it slipped the switch very quickly across the south which it normally does in the month of March. And one of the things I read uh, recently, I saw this in the last day or two, uh, was somebody in the Pacific Northwest, and and usually in February, end of February, into uh, beginning of March, the, everything's popping because it's that maritime influence. Mm-hmm. This is spring mm-hmm. out there. And he said there's nothing happening. The trees are bare. Very few yeah. uh, herbaceous plants have leafed out. They've had a brutal winter as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, Seattle up to 22 inches of snow for the season. Seattle has had twice as much snow as Boston. And not only that, they've been really cold. So the cold and the snow is basically pushed all the way down uh, into areas of California. Obviously, Oregon and Washington got hit first. And it'll be interesting to see how Governor Inslee of Washington State um, pushes forth his platform, because it's pretty much based first on climate change, which is, that's kind of a tough thing to do, because it's easy to talk about climate change in the summertime. It's really tough to talk about in the wintertime. And, and we talk about it as, as teachers, is how do you try to teach someone something when it's not happening as evidence right in front of you? Uh, in the state of Washington, they've had a lot of cold, a lot of snow, a lot of water. So basically all the things that happened last year from the drought and the heat wave have been erased. Um, and if you're trying to build your platform based on that, in your region, you're not going to go very far. So I hope that he kind of figures this out before he gets into the national I, uh, I, I, the, the national spotlight. We need to get to a forecast, but I will disagree uh, very briefly and use your own words uh, against you here. And all he needs to do is say climate variability, and you go from drought and you go to excessive cold. I know, I and, know. And that tells you. But, but you still but you, I know, but you still got 49 states that you have to campaign for. So I get it, uh, but I want I is, want somebody yeah. out there talking about this. I really do, and I'm glad he he oh. chose that. Oh yeah, I, I think I think he could be great. We'll see whether or not it happens. Uh, all right, so real quickly, so windy and cold today. Obviously, the fronts through back into the mid 30s. Uh, we got about an inch of rain yesterday in some areas, which was great. Notice how quickly though. The sidewalks actually got flooded due to the fact that the ground is frozen. But a couple more days of some thawing out will allow some of this moisture to get down into the soil. Uh, Kong tomorrow, another quiet day on Tuesday. Mid-50s with the next system on Wednesday near 60 on Thursday with another rain system coming back at us. And then colder weather beginning on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. As Peg couldn't wait to remind us, the pattern's going to flip. But it definitely looks like there's more winter weather on the way. But the next three or four days... We'll enjoy it as well as a sun setting at 6.50 today, right? All right. Yeah, that's Woo! cool. All right. Thanks, Rick. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> sure, guys. All right. Our thanks to Austin Hall, Robin McMurray, Hertig, and Jason Hamill. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. 